Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 472. I just got back from a three-night Royal Caribbean cruise on Independence of the Seas, and it got me thinking about, is a three-night weekend cruise really worth it? Let's talk about it. Here we go. This past weekend, we took family on a three-night cruise on Independence of the Seas to the Bahamas, and we had a great time, but of course, inevitably, when we get to like day three of the cruise, my wife and I get into the eternal debate of, is it really worth it to do a three-night cruise? And why would we even bring that up? We're on a cruise ship having a great time, and we enjoyed it. The issue, of course, is that basically the end of the cruise comes a lot quicker than a longer cruise. That's probably not much of a surprise, right? Obvious, Matt. But the reality is time flies when you have fun. And on a three-night cruise, it really flies because you have such little time on board. And it gets you thinking, you know, is it really worth it in the grand scheme of things? Like to have all the effort to pack and get ready for the cruise and have a great time, but to get off the ship so quickly, as opposed to doing all that work and then going on a longer sailing, which is a little bit more of a better payoff, if you will. Now, first and foremost, being someone that lives in Florida and has access to cruise ships a lot, we are definitely spoiled. And this episode is almost certainly a first world problem. So I'm not trying to make my plight of, oh no, a three night cruise as poor, poor Matt. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not. Splitting hairs about that. I totally get that. But I think a lot of people inevitably are kind of thinking about, is it really worth it to do a three-night cruise, especially when you're trying to pick out your cruise vacation, whether it is your once-a-year cruise, whether it is something you're trying to like maybe splice in there. I like using three-night cruises as kind of an augment, not the primary vacation, but like, you know, hey, there's a long weekend coming up. Maybe we'll go on a cruise. In addition to, you know, the week-long spring break or summer vacation, we have planned for our family. And the issues of the three-night cruise are kind of unique to the weekend sailing, even more so than a four-night cruise, depending on if the four-night cruise leaves on a Monday or a Thursday. I think there's a huge difference when you add that extra day in there. But inevitably, a lot of people will point out, hey, a cruise is better than no cruise. So for us, we booked this three-night cruise because, again, our kids had off on the Friday that began the cruise, and the cruise went out of Port Canaveral. We live in the Orlando area, so it's about an hour drive, and very easy to get out there. It was a three-night cruise, went to Perfect Day, Kokoki, and Nassau. This is pretty much the standard itinerary for any three-night cruise out of Florida, whether your cruise goes out of Miami or Port Canaveral. If it's a three-night cruise, you're almost certainly going to the Bahamas, and you're almost certainly going to Perfect Day, and then maybe Nassau. Uh, there are very few variations on this. So this is pretty much, and this has been the norm, by the way, for years and years and years and years. So it stands to reason that even if you're listening to this episode a year or two from now, it's going to hold up, I think. Uh, that being said, when you're doing a three-night cruise, there's a couple of things to consider. Number one, the out-the-door cost can sometimes be really cheap or not so cheap. Depends on when you book. A lot of times, I have found the pricing for three-night cruises to be pretty darn good many, many months in advance. Like, if you book a three-night cruise a year from now, I bet you're going to find some really cheap rates where you know, maybe an inside room for two will start out something like, you know, three or $400. In fact, there can be oftentimes really good deals for a while. But as you get closer to the sale date, I'm going to say within about uh, certainly less than six months out, maybe four to six months out, I think a lot of people start considering three-night cruises to book. I think, let me take a step back for a second. We're talking about like normal, like not normal cruises, but other cruises, I should say, seven-night cruises, right? I oftentimes preach about the importance of booking cruises well in advance of this because I think a lot of people plan seven-night cruises much further in advance than shorter cruises. I think because seven-night cruises and longer tend to be more of this, you know, this is our vacation. Not the three-night cruises aren't vacation, but this is our getaway. This is our spring break, family vacation kind of a thing. 
And for those kind of trips, I think there's a different mentality when planning these trips. I could be totally wrong on this, but this is how at least I approach it anyway. And when you're booking a seven-night cruise, as an example, I think that people tend to book much further out. When it comes to the shorter cruises, I think a lot of people don't necessarily be, oh, uh, next year, you know, let's go plan a three-night cruise. It's more of a, a, a weekend escape for a lot of people. When you go on a three-night cruise, you're going to have a lot of people from the surrounding area. I mean, whenever they do an event on board and whoever's hosting the event asks, all right, where's everybody from? Boy, it is nothing but people from Florida, Georgia, and the Carolinas, right? I mean, it's dominating that. You'll have a couple of people who will fly down from like a New York or South Dakota or something like that, but they're very much in the minority. As opposed to when you go on a longer cruise, I feel like the demographic expands a little bit more. And you're always, almost always going to have a lot of Floridians on any cruise from Florida, seven night or otherwise. But I think you get a lot more people who are willing to travel for a longer sailing because the value, the ROI of making the effort to get there. So on a short sailing, when you're going out of Florida, you're going to get a lot of people from that area. And that obviously speaks to the fact that if you're going to short sailing, it's because people can easily drive there. A lot of people will point out that when you do a weekend sailing, if you have to fly, the cost of airfare certainly is going to make a big dent in your budget. And for a lot of people, they come to the conclusion, it's not worth it for a three-night cruise. If you're going to pay for airfare, you're better off getting a longer sailing to get more, again, return on investment for what you're you're spending on that. And certainly when you're on one of these weekend sailings, it certainly goes in that direction. So to bring this full circle, when we booked this cruise, which was not that long ago, I think we booked it maybe two or three months before the sailing, you know, we didn't get the cheapest possible deal out there, but we didn't overpay either. Now, the downside was we didn't have a lot of cabin selections. We ended up in two connecting uh, promenade view rooms, which were basically the best options out there. Usually, most times we get a balcony room. My wife really likes having the balcony in open air, and it gives a little more space. But we kind of found that the promenade view rooms, I think... Either there was one or two issues. One, the balcony was too expensive, but I think more likely there just wasn't connecting balcony rooms available. Certainly suites were gone for a while. This is something that's true, by the way. If you're looking to book a suite in general, three-night cruise, seven-night cruise, you got to book them early. I mean, the days of which you could find a suite much closer to your sailing is pretty much non-existent anymore unless you really, you know, maybe a junior suite. But anyway, I digress. Um, the point was was that to get the best bang for our buck because we booked kind of late in the, in the ball game. We went for the promenade view room. Now, here's the argument. It's a three-night cruise. It's very quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time in the cabin to begin with. There's no sea days here. So how much time we could really go there? And you know what? It's true. I mean, reality was we were out and about most of the time. I will say, again, this is another first world problem for me. Uh, we had just gone on literally a week before this alert of the season, my wife and I, in a loft suite. And going from a loft suite to a promenade view room is a bit of an adjustment. But you know what? I survived. I, I had a good time nonetheless. Um, but when you're doing a weekend cruise, you know, not only is it a short cruise, it's also port intensive because you're getting on board the ship, right? So you got day one, day two, we're at Cocoa Key, day three, you're in the Bahamas, right? Nassau. And so there's a lot of time off the ship and that doesn't necessarily end up being the most relaxing cruise. Now I would freely admit a cruise is what you make of it. And there is no doubt in my mind, you can spend the entire cruise in your cabin or somewhere on board the ship relaxing. You don't have to get off the ship and do stuff. You don't have to go and, you know, uh, do every activity on there, right? I think for us, at least, because we have our kids with us, it's a little bit different dynamic. Telling my kids, hey, we're just going to sit in the room and relax because I want to relax in three-night cruise. Yeah, okay, that'll be as relaxing until they start saying, we're bored, we're bored, what can we do? So 
This is the this is the realities of having kids, right? Uh, certainly, if you're cruising without kids, it is what you make of it, and you can have a very relaxing time. But we wanted to enjoy ourselves, and for us, when we go on a cruise, whether it's a three night or seven night or whatever, for us, we like the the all the things you can do on board the ship, right? So whether we're talking about going to a bar and enjoying live music, whether we're going to the casino for a little bit, whether we're going to see one of the shows on board, whether we're going to the pool, perfect day at Coco Key, we like those activities. It's what drew us to cruising to begin with, and it's still a big part of what makes cruising so much fun. You know, I think a lot of people who cruise a lot will tell you one of the reasons they love going back on cruise ships is they're able to basically do a lot of their favorite activities. Like maybe it is going, spending your evenings in the schooner bar. People that love the schooner bar will go there night after night after night because they love it and cruise after cruise after cruise. I think there's some truth to that aspect of it. So on a three-night cruise, you do a lot of that, which doesn't leave a whole lot of time to kind of, you know, chill out, if you will. When we just did that six-night cruise on Allure, we had some sea days involved there. And when you have sea days, I feel like you have more of an opportunity to kind of take it easy and put it back in like second gear. Whereas when you're in port and you're back on board the ship, there's a lot of running around for, for good stuff. Don't get me wrong here. But it, it's, a, it's a different dynamic. And certainly, again, as they say, time flies when you're having fun. And I think that when you're trying to do, work that all in in a short amount of time, it really feels that way. The other thing for me, and this is, again, maybe just me, but when you're on a cruise, it takes me a little while to get into what I call cruise mode. So the first day of the cruise is always busy. I, I just, no matter how many times I try, it's just there's so much going on between, you know, just getting to the port, checking in, doing the mustard drill, getting your dining reservations. Everyone else is kind of all around you. It's, it's busiest day of the cruise, no, no doubt about it. So it doesn't really ever feel like the cruise until maybe you get to about dinner time or so and people start getting their routines, right? But I don't really get into cruise mode until maybe day two, certainly day three of the cruise, where I get into the rhythm. Like you kind of shed your 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 regular daytime mode. Like you're still, you have to like forget all your worries and cares, right? And enjoy the cruise. So for me, it takes me a little time to, to get there. And on a seven night cruise, that's fine because by day or two or three, cool, I'm, I'm in that mode. And then as the cruise goes on and we're in day four, five, and six, hey, I'm feeling great. This is like, this is what cruising is all about. Weekend cruises, I remember on day three, which is the Nassau day, I remember sitting, uh, having coffee with my wife on the promenade deck on deck four, which I absolutely love, by the way. It's the wraparound deck on the Voyager Freedom. Every class of ships, except for the Oasis class ships, the, 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 that's where the running track is, but I digress. Anyway, it's a great spot to go to. Um, I was sitting out there with my wife having my coffee and I was like, man, you know, I, I'm really feeling now cruise mode. Like I, we've got a routine down. I'm, 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 I've, I've already napped like two or three times on this cruise. Like I'm loving life. Right. But of course it's day three and we're getting off the ship the next day to go back home. So that's a, the, the issue with it. Ultimately, I think when you look at a weekend cruise, I think what you have to figure out for yourself is, you know, is the opportunity to get away worth it for the short amount of time that you're there. I think for a lot of people, the balance of being able to go on a cruise versus only a little bit of time on the cruise is going to be a personal decision, obviously. But I think for a lot of people, they decide, you know what, it is worth it. And I always come to the same conclusion. You know, while I regret the fact that I'm not on a cruise right now because I'm recording this after we got off the ship, I am happy for the time that we had. It's better to have cruised and gotten off the ship than to have never cruised at all. And I really think there's truth in that. Now, if you're a first-time cruiser, if you are someone who's maybe done one or two cruises, right, I'm not sure I'd recommend a three-night cruise as your 
go to like this is your vacation kind of an idea. I I really believe weekend cruises especially are truly meant for people who are augmenting their cruise schedule. People that either cruise a lot, people that uh, can certainly drive to the cruise. It's not your primary thing. If you're listening to this and you're trying to plan out your family vacation for next year, I would really steer you away from a three-night cruise. Even a four-night cruise will add a major difference in having that extra day there. I would still say that if you're doing one cruise a year or it's your first cruise, I would still say a seven-night is really the way to go. Because for first time here is I think seven nights on an Oasis or Quantum Class ship is the right choice for you. But, you know, a four-night cruise really does add a different aspect to it. Now, there's the other issue which we haven't talked about yet, which is the party vibe on a three-night cruise. When you're on a three-night cruise, you're not only going to get a lot of families on board. You're going to get a lot of people there for a good time. It's a weekend, right? Friday to Monday, they're there for a good time to escape, right? You're going to find a lot of bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, birthdays, anniversaries. People there are looking to get away have a good time, and then get back in there. The low price of a three-night cruise is going to attract more of a party vibe than a longer selling. This is a generalization, by the way. This isn't to say that if you have a three-night cruise, you should expect it to be, uh, you know, oops, 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 just constant party. No, I, I really don't believe that. That being said, I think you should be surprised when there are a lot of celebrations on board because this is just the reality of short cruise. Everybody can get off for a weekend, and you have that low price. So, it's just the 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 reality of it. Does it really impact your cruise? I mean, I don't let it impact my cruise. What I mean by that is if people are having a good time and maybe they're having a lot of drink or they're being a little, you know, rambunctious, if you will, let's use those words, right? Um, You know, let them do that. They're having a good time. If they're following the rules, more, you know, good on them. Let them do what they want to do. I'll find my area that I can do what I want to do. And I, you know, can have a great time regardless of that fact, right? I'm also not the... Hey, let's spend all day at the pool deck kind of guy. Maybe that has a different part to it. I don't know. But I think for a lot of people, the weekend cruises are that kind of just like, let's get away for a couple of days. And there are a lot of celebrations. I've done a lot of three night cruises. This particular one felt like there were a lot of people that were definitely there for a good time in the sense that there were a lot of parties and celebrations. People just, you know, looking to make the most out of their time there. Suffice to say, they had a good time, we had a good time, and that's all there. So what are the pros and cons of taking a three-night cruise? Number one, the pro, it's a getaway. And basically, if you just need to get away from work, school, whatever, being able to get on a ship is a great feeling. And it's a three-night cruise. You know the deal with it, but you know what? That feeling of maybe doing the dining package, going to the main dining room, going a perfect day. I mean, spending the weekend in the Bahamas is not a bad way to do it, and it delivers exactly that. It is a escape, and I'll tell you something is worth it in the sense that when I get on the ship, I never think to myself, oh, geez, I shouldn't have done this, I should have done a seven-night cruise. No, I love it every single time I get on board. Number two pro of doing a weekend cruise is less vacation time needed. Obviously, if you're going on a three-night cruise, for most people, Saturday and Sunday is a built-in time off from their work or school schedule. So if you're doing a seven-night cruise, well, you're going to need to obviously take off a lot more time in order to make that work. Three-night cruises, certainly a lot easier. I mean, everyone's got to make sure their PTO time, you know, is stretched out just right. So the advantage of doing a three-night cruise is it's going to take you a lot less vacation time. And that may mean, again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, augmenting, sneaking in another cruise as opposed to trying to do, you know, another seven-night cruise. And that's not going to happen because of your work schedule. But a weekend cruise can certainly make it worthwhile. Another really good reason to do a weekend cruise is, well, there's the ability to splurge on board. A shorter cruise can be a great time to splurge on things like drink packages, shore excursions, and especially dining. Because, of course, if you're not paying for a full week, the cost overall may end up being a lot cheaper. Now, 
For a seven-night cruise, you'll probably pay less per day on some of these package add-ons, but the cost for a short three-night cruise can often be a lot cheaper for that overall. So there's definitely that to consider. Now, let's look at the negatives of doing a weekend cruise. Number one is the higher cost per day. A major drawback to weekend cruises is the cost per day of a three-night cruise is usually more expensive than the cost per day of a longer cruise. So as an example, I'll get some numbers here. On a three-night sailing on Freedom of the Seas, the cruise fare for two adults in a balcony is $1,068. That makes the per-day cost $356 per room or $178 per person. Pair that to a seven-nighter on Harmony of the Seas, which has a total cruise fare for two adults in a balcony room of $1,960, and that makes the cost per day of $280 per room or $140 per person. So $140 per person on a seven-nighter, $178 per person on a three-nighter. You can see where that kind of adds up there. And obviously... You know, it, it may not be a drastic difference over there, but it becomes much more different once the cost of airfare and a pre-cruise hotel stay are added to the total cost. Let's say you pay $300 round trip per person in airfare and $250 for a hotel the night before the cruise. This adds up to $850 for your total cruise cost. That three-night cruise now costs $1,918, $1,918, making the cost per day around $639 per person or $319 per person. But the seven-night cruise, on the other hand, now costs $2,810, $2,810 making the cost per day $401 per room or $200 per person. So you can start to see the difference over there. A con that I talked about also is that it's really over before you know it. A three-night cruise is great until you get to that day three and you realize, I got to go home now? Ugh. I had that feeling when I was talking about having the coffee, but, you know, it is what it is. And, of course, um, the other issue with doing a three-night cruise is there's limited offerings for that. I mean, there's not going to be a ton of ships that do three-night cruises, if you live in Florida or you can get to Florida, certainly they're there. But if you're going out of somewhere else like Galveston, New York, you may not have those kind of options there. And, of course, the ships that do three-night cruises tend to be very repetitive. So you're doing a lot of cruises on Voyager and Freedom Class ships, which doesn't allow you a whole lot of options there. Now, full disclosure, of course, Royal Caribbean is going to be adding a lure of the seas to do three-night cruises beginning next year. That's going to be a very interesting option once that gets there. I'm, I'm curious to check that out for myself. And then, of course, pro and con. It's like... Depending on your perspective, this is either really good or really bad or maybe somewhere in the middle. And that is, if you go on a three-night cruise, there's a party atmosphere. And as I say that, you're either thinking, ooh, good, or ooh, no, right? Weekend cruises tend to attract, you know, those bachelor parties and wedding guests and friend groups, right? But whether this is a pro or con ultimately depends on your preference, right? It does lead to an extremely lively atmosphere on board. But if you're looking for a quiet sailing, a weekend cruise may not be the best choice for you. But if you like energy, if you like feeling like you're part of a good time, this is really the great cruise for you. So, you know, we did it Independence of the Seas. Love the ship. It was a great time on board. We, you know, a good time was had by all. The the really issue is just that, you know, it's it's over before you know it. And um, ultimately, I'm glad we did it. I, I'm certainly will book and I definitely already have more three-night cruises booked. But it is a consideration when you're thinking about is it worth it to do a three-night cruise? All right, let's start email time. This is the part of the episode where I answer emails that you sent in. You can send me your emails by sending them to matt at rollgrammingblog.com. First email is from Chris and Steve from St. Augustine, Florida. Hi, Matt. I have been following you on YouTube and Facebook for a while now. My husband and I are cruise lovers and I have cruise number nine, oh, sorry, number 10, 11, and 12 booked, two of which are on Royal Caribbean. We decided about six years ago that the benefits of cruising with one line pay off more and Royal Caribbean has just a little level up from Norwegian Cruise Line. Mariner was our first cruise in 2006, and Captain Johnny was the best. Just cruised on Harmony in March, and Captain Johnny was the captain there as well. So much of what you share is very similar to my experiences and thoughts as well. 
We're amazed at how the same questions are asked all the time, but you are gracious in answering them every time. I don't really have any questions, but wanted to know that we are listening. I recently heard that you say your podcast is on Spotify. So being a little OCD, I went back to episode number one and I've been binge listening to my in my drive to and from work. Thanks for the great info. Chris and Steve, thank you for the email. And yes, uh, we are on Spotify. So check that out if you weren't aware of that. Um, it, it actually, it's kind of surprise, a little side banter here, if you don't mind. Um, a lot of people do listen to the episodes on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, but I have, and I'm all for you all visiting RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Trust me, it's my livelihood. But I actually will tell you for the podcast only, you're better off actually going to like a third party like iTunes or they even call it iTunes anymore, whatever Apple calls it. Uh, Stitcher, I really like Stitcher a lot. It's a free app. Spotify, whatever. Anyway, I think it's just easier to listen to the episodes and they, they come in there as well. So either way, anyway, uh, glad to have you listening here. And uh, actually, what's funny is you mentioned Captain Johnny on, on Mariner, our honeymoon cruise on Mariner. He was our captain as well. And he just stood out from the get-go and is still one of our favorite captains in the fleet. So thank you for listening. Glad you're enjoying it. And yes, we do answer a lot of the same questions. It doesn't bother me. It's just the nature of the beast. And I certainly don't mind it at all. At least I know the answers. Nadine has her next question for us, and it, uh, she writes, uh, Good evening, Matt. I know you've written about the Island of St. Thomas on your blog, but I was wondering if you could please answer a quick question for me. My husband and I will be sailing on Royal Caribbean soon. We'll be stopping in St. Thomas. Have you ever taken the ferry over to St. John for the day? And if so, is that something you pre-booked before your cruise? Also, if you did take the ferry over to St. John, did you enjoy your time there? Would you recommend it? We're considering going to St. John during our day in St. Thomas, and I thought I you'd probably have some good suggestions feedback on this. Absolutely, Nadine, 100%. St. John is probably my favorite island in the Caribbean. Um, it is so darn beautiful. Um, so St. Tom and St. John are like right next to each other. The ferry ride, if you went to the eastern part of St. Thomas, and uh, there's a ferry terminal there in the area called Red Hook. Anyway, it, the, the shortest ferry ride is about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes maybe. It, it's really close to each other. Um, the first time I ever went there, we did it on our own. We took a taxi to Red Hook, picked up the ferry, uh, went on the ferry. It was the ferry is a lot of locals who were just commuting and us. And uh, once we got there, we took a taxi and went to Cinnamon Bay Beach. A lot of people go to Trunk Bay. I personally, I, it's not that I avoided Trunk Bay. It's just the it's like the most popular place. I wanted something a little less popular. Anyway, it was absolutely beautiful and stunning. The most beautiful beach I've ever been to in my life. Like it was just incredible. Um, and we tried to go back again. Uh, and we ran into a major problem in the sense that no taxis wanted to take us to Red Hook because the basically, uh, without going into a tangent here, basically the, the taxis in St. Thomas are not like taxis in the rest of the United States where like, you know, you taxi is your vehicle while you go there. It's basically all just these trucks that try to get the most amount of people on there. And the most amount of people do not want to go to Red Hook. So no one wanted to take us. And after struggling to find a taxi, we just gave up. Next time we were in St. Thomas, I did a Royal Caribbean excursion, which was basically just a snorkel tour and a beach stop. And we didn't have a lot of time there, but it was a lot easier to get there because I didn't have to deal with the taxis. So my recommendation is yes, absolutely go. Number two, pre-plan some sort of a tour, whether you're going through Royal Caribbean or on your own, you need to arrange transportation. When I first did it, we took a taxi on our own. I wouldn't recommend doing that again. It's just the, the taxi factor is so unknown that it's just, it, it's just, it, it really soured the taste of my mouth for that. So I think your best bet, and if I were to do it again, and I will at some point, is to arrange your own transportation so that way you can get easily back and forth from the cruise ship. The ferry itself is pretty easy. If you Google it, there are two ferry stops at St. Thomas. One's in Crown Bay, which is downtown, let's call it that. The other one's at Red Hook. Red Hook, the ferry is a lot shorter ride, and there are far more ferry rides, like the, the schedule offers more variety. 
Whereas Crown Bay is a lot more convenient because all you have to do is go down to Charlotte Amalier, which is a shorter ride from where your cruise ship docks. Um, but as I recall, the last time I checked, there were only a couple of ferries uh, per day there. And of course, when you're going on your own, which you will be if you're going to St. Thomas, uh, sorry, sorry, St. Uh, John um, with the ferry, you uh, need to make sure you're getting back to the ship on time. And, you know, more ferry rides are always a good idea. Anyway, um, you know, plan ahead, do all those kinds of things, but look at the schedule to make sure it can work for you. Ideally, it'd be great if you had a longer stay in St. Thomas, you know, something like certainly eight to 10, if not more hours would be wonderful. But I would tell you this, Nadine, it is absolutely worthwhile. I recommend it a lot. You just need to do a lot more planning for it. If you go through Royal Caribbean and do a tour, they do offer limited tours to St. John. The problem I've always found is that like, well, number one, it's more of a like activity. Like I just want to go to St. John and just like hang out, right? Just sit on the beach. Usually there's snorkel tours or something else, catamaran that is more like you're the, the catamaran is the tour and you happen to stop at St. John as opposed to the other way around. So, um, you know, that that's a letting care kind of situation there, but you know, consider the options there. And if you find a great option, Nadine, I'd love to hear which one you pick over there. Next email is from Heather. My family has 209 days to go to our April, 2023 cruise on wonder of the seas. So a long ways away, but I remember when I booked it in May of 21 and we still had over 600 days to go. We're selling with some people that haven't cruised before. So I'm excited to show them the ropes and I know they'll love it. My question is around the online check-in process. I was hoping you could outline what kind of questions they will ask in the check-in process. And what kinds of documents such will need to have ready to upload. I've done the check-in process before as have my family, but first time cruisers we're selling with have not. And I'm sure the process has changed since my last cruise in 2019. My other family lives several states away, so I will not be able to assist them throughout the process. So I just want to have the information for them so they know they'll able to what they'll need to do in order to check in. Thanks for your help on all your podcasts and videos. I'm a seasoned cruiser, but I learn new things every time I explore your content. Thank you, Heather, for the question. So a couple things to keep in mind. Number one, uh, if you really wanted to take it out of their hands, Heather, you could just log into their account. I mean, you know, you probably shouldn't share passwords, things like that, but you know, you could log into the real I mean, website for them, you know, say, here, Heather, here's my username and password, you know, log in and you could do the check-in for them, but we'll skip that part or, you know, it's up to you. Anyway, what you're going to need for check-in these days, and you don't have to do it, but boy, do I recommend doing it is you need your, your travel documents. So if they have a passport, this is the easiest thing because what you're going to need is a copy of the passport. So you can put in the passport number, expiration date, other things I can't remember that the passport has in there. Some, you know, critical information that's on there. Um, that's like number one. Number two, you're going to want to take a, a photo, a selfie. Um, and basically you need to stand in front of a blank wall, take a photo of yourself, upload that. Number three is going to be your personal information, your address. That's pretty easy. Your phone number. Okay. Emergency contact. No problem. And the last part is a credit card for your account. Again, they can do that. It's really easy. It's actually easier in the Royal Caribbean app than on the website because the, in the app, you can actually scan the passport, which is really helpful. If they have a birth certificate and they're traveling with that, you can still enter that information in there. It's a different option for them. You can't scan it, but something to keep in mind. Um, your cruise in uh, next April, if I were you, if they don't have a passport, I would tell them, go get a passport like tomorrow, apply for it. So it'll be back because, you know, the processing time is probably, you know, four or eight weeks, something like that. You'll get it back for April, but do that now. Get that taken care of. It really is worthwhile. Otherwise, it's pretty much, I mean, the online check-in is really easy. Oh, and of course, the check-in time. I didn't mention that. But about 45 days before your cruise, the online check-in will open up, and that's when you can select a check-in time. And that's really critical as well, Heather, for them to do that. So that way you can all check in at the same time. And probably, ideally, you're going to want an early check-in time. So hopefully that answers your question there. 
And our last email today is coming to us from uh, Danielle. Hi, Matt. I'm planning cruise for Symphony of the Seas in January 2023 with my boyfriend. Love the podcast and the blog, and I've been enjoying catching up by listening to old episodes. Planning to get the drink package for our cruise, but I was wondering, is there, is there generally a time of year when Realcom is known to have bigger sales on the drink package? For example, Black Friday or another holiday? Thanks. Danielle, good email. Oh, good, good question, and thank you for the email. Um, the answer is no, not necessarily. And I know some people are like, oh, wait for Black Friday. Disagree. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you want a drink package, buy it now, Danielle. Log into the site, book it, lock in the price. If there is a better price on Black Friday or next week, or you're going in January, December, right? You can always cancel and rebook the drink package at any time through the Cruise Planner website. There's no penalty and then rebook it at the new price. So you can totally do that all the way up until your cruise. Now you're probably saying, well, Matt, why don't I just wait? until, you know, maybe Black Friday or, or a week or two before the cruise, if the price doesn't go down, I'll just book it and get it then. Ah, but sometimes, Danielle, the price goes up. Even when there's a sale, believe it or not, sometimes the price goes up. So book it now, lock in the price, guard against the price increase, but still be able to take advantage of a price decrease if there's a sale later on. You'll thank me later on. That's definitely the way to go. And yes, the drink package will always be cheaper online than on board the ship. So... Thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. And of course, if you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.